I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 16. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 16. We had just come out of the first part of this chapter with the parable of the unjust steward. Now we come down and we see a true story. And we say that because it doesn't call it a parable, number one. And number two, in none of the parables does Jesus name anybody. In this one, there is a name given. In fact, it is interesting because the first two verses give us the two people that are involved in the story. The first one is nameless. The second one is named. Listen carefully. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. It's interesting to see the differences here. The difference is one is named and one is not. One is clothed in purple and fared sumptuously. The other was a beggar. Now, the one that was a certain rich man, and it's certain. See, there's a certain beggar and there's a certain rich man. So we're talking about distinct people. It has the idea of a certain person or object. In this case, it is a person. Okay, so the rich man was clothed in purple. The word purple literally means a, a garment that has been dyed purple. And that was, you remember Liddy, the seller of purple? That was a very expensive commodity there and something that was uh, very, very much not normal unless you had a lot of money. And so he was clothed in the richest of the clothes and fine linen so he had on that which was really really expensive showing out showing off that he has money meanwhile there is this man who has all this and he fared sumptuously that means that he was able to be at ease and rejoice and be merry because Every day he was very much taken care of. There was nothing there. He was just splendiferous. Everything's wonderful. I got the money. I've got everything. So I have no issues. He's nameless. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. Wow. Here's a man who is covered with sores. He is a poor man who is in poor health and cannot maybe even help himself because of his uh, infirmities. And so he's there 
desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Wow, that's hardcore stuff. You know, sometimes people worry uh, and wonder about what we go through in life. But, you know, if you'll just remember, well, this story takes a turn here. And we're going to find that everything changes. But this change is for all eternity versus the short time that we were here. This man had his wealth. He had his clothing. He had his faring sumptuously, making merry every day. And this poor man had poverty. Oh, my goodness. He, he had absolutely nothing to look forward to but infirmities full of sores, laying at a gate, hoping for some crumbs to fall. But then we see it contrasted. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels unto Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes. Wow. Did you notice this? The beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. This is interesting. The poor man died first. I don't think that would shock us, would it? Because he didn't have the great food and he was looking for the crumbs and he was in poor health. I don't think that comes as a great shock. But then we see that the rich man dies. Now that we don't uh, probably didn't see coming, but we did see the passing of the rich man. He he didn't all his wealth couldn't keep him from dying. All the money he had couldn't keep him alive. We they see a lot of weird things today. Even people that want to invest in cryogenics that try and they have a problem a disease, well they'll just freeze themselves. And we've we've seen a lot of that in the in the science fiction world. We've also seen it in the real world where they've talked about the, making that a reality. Well, listen, uh, death is uh, it's a point of demand wants to die after this, the judgment. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually and then would later die physically. And the way it works is simply this. If you don't know the Lord, you die twice. You're born once. You're born physically, you die physically, and you die spiritually. If you're born twice, you die once. You're born physically, you're born again, you die physically, you live in eternity with Christ forever. Now, when you die spiritually, that means that you are going to be in a place called hell where you will be conscious, you will not cease to exist. You, death in the Bible means separation. And so when you die and go to hell, you are separated from God forever. Those of us that don't die spiritually are not separated from God we're there with him for all eternity so we see the major difference that comes between these two and then I want you to notice because he named Lazarus and not the rich man I believe it's because God wanted to honor his own he didn't give credence to give the man's name that was rich and thought he had it made, and gave no time to the Lord, had nothing to do with him, never wanted anything to do with him. In fact, later on, we're to find that uh, he said to him, you had your chance in the other life. You, you chose the things you chose. 
So now you live with the consequences of what you chose. And my friend, that is the thing that people don't realize. And I, I hate it because uh, if you love people and you want them to come to know the Lord, you, you, you just share the gospel with them. And I hope you share it out of a heart of love and, and not out of hate. And just say, you know, man, I, what I've experienced in Christ is awesome. Because I've been saved, God's been so good. And he can do the same for you. And they can turn you down and turn you down. And it just ought to break our hearts because we know that if they make that choice and they keep making that choice, there will come a day when they will regret it, but it will be too late. And they will hear those words in your time, you could have. And the harshest words they're going to hear is, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. You're not one of mine, but Lazarus is one of his. And he calls him by his name. So I love that. I know my name is there. I know. The Bible talks about John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd <laughs> and know my sheep and have known of mine. Back in that same chapter, but drop down to verse 27 and continue on. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them the eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my father's hand. My father, which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hands. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. First Corinthians chapter number eight and verse number three. And then over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall, uh, but then shall I know even as I am known. Did you see that little phrase in there? I love it. Face to face. <laughs> Can you imagine that time when we come face to face with Christ, my Savior, Oh, my goodness, what a joy that will be. Unbelievable time when we see him for the first time face to face. And I'm going to tell you something. I look forward to that. Amen. Fanny Crosley put it this way. She said, listen, when I get to heaven, the first thing my eyes will see will be that of my Savior. I will see him. The songwriter wrote it this way in a great old hymn, face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face what will it be when with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ who died for me. Only faintly now I see him with the darkening veil between, but a blessed day is coming when his glory shall be seen. What rejoicing in his presence when our banished grief and pain, when the crooked ways are straightened and the dark things shall be plain. Face to face, oh blissful moment, face to face to see and know, face to face with my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who loves me so. Yes, face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky, face to face in all his glory. <laughs> I shall see him by and by. What an incredible thought that one day we will see him. Yep, the rich man had it all, but it didn't do him a bit of good when it came time to leave this earth. Lazarus had nothing but sores. He was poor. He didn't have anything in this life, but he had Jesus Christ. He had his God, and it made all the difference in the world. It came to pass. The beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. 
the rich man also died and was buried and in hell. Lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. First of all, let's remind you, before the time of Christ's death and burial and then resurrection, there was a place called uh, hell that had a divided, and there was the hell side, and, or Hades hell side, and there was the uh, side that was paradise. And the paradise is where those saints went. Then on the other side was where those went that did not know Christ. So I'm going to give you some things here, five things of what this passage shows us hell is. First of all, hell is a place of torments. Did you notice that was plural? It's more than one torment. There's darkness that is so dark that it gnaws on you. And that darkness can be felt. Now, I can tell you, I've been in a few places in my time where that darkness was like that where you could put your hand right up to your face and you could not see it. And you can feel, it's like it's like there's something coming down on you. It's a weird feeling. I've been in a cave where you can feel it like that. And uh, that darkness is eerie. It's, it's, it's not like when it's dark outside, but you got the starlight or the moonlight or something shining through a little bit. And you can at least have some kind of light. And just a little bit of light is amazing how it could dispels the darkness. But my goodness, when it's just pitch black dark, it is really eerie feeling. And so it is a crazy thing to think that that would be such a place of darkness. But it's also a place of torment because of the flame. And we're going to find out that there's more things that are happening there than just that because of what he is going to find out in other places. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But I just want you to realize he was lifted up in torments. The idea of the torments is that there's many things. And I believe the Bible bears out that there is things that they did that they just wouldn't give up. There were, there were things they would crave, they were addicted to, they wouldn't give up for Christ. They didn't want to become the nose of Jesus Christ and let him change their life. And I believe they're going to have those same addictions but never be able to satisfy them. They're never going to be able to satisfy what they have craved all their life. Now look at verse number 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Now, before we get to what he requests, let me tell you that hell is not only a place of torments, it is a place of tears. He cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Wait just a minute. You were supposed to get grace and mercy when you were in the other life. See, you had your opportunity but you decided, no, you wanted to have the better things of life. You wanted to have the great things of life. You wanted to make a name and money and live well and fare sumptuously. You didn't want me. Now you want me, and it's too late. He said, have mercy on me. But look, it's kind of interesting to me that he would say this because Lazarus sat at his gate. Lazarus is over there. He can see that because he can see them is what the Bible says. Now, obviously, they're not there now. I believe that at the resurrection, when he descended, they took captivity captive. He took them up to heaven. But here's the thing that, that gets to me is that he can see him, and yet he's still commanding him, send Lazarus. Well, wait just a minute. It's, a, it's in the command form. 
we're, we, you don't, you're not in a place to command anything. He's begging Father Abraham to have mercy. Then he's telling him, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. That absolutely blows my mind. It's a place of tears. He's crying out and yet he still thinks he can command Father Abraham to do something. That is incredible to me. I don't know uh, how he did that. But he did. Evidently, he thought he still could command. I mean, he, he ate the crumbs that fell from his table. I've been kind of like ruler over him anyhow. And I let him do that. Now, he could at least dip his finger in some water. I don't know what his thinking process was. But the word torments uh, doesn't just uh, do justice to the agony that's going to be there. And the word tears doesn't do justice to the tears that are going to be there. When reality sets in, you blew it. You can't get a second chance. You're not going to be able to do that. You can't do that. That's just the way it is. And so when we see that, we see that there is a situation here. And so he gets answered in twenty verse 25. But Abraham said, son... Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside this, now watch this. I love this in this verse. Between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot Neither can they pass to us that would come hence. Wow. You know what hell is? It's a place of thinking. Think about that. We are in a fixed place. Can't get to you. You're in a fixed place and can't get to us. Then on top of that, you just remember the fact that there come a day when the departure of all of that souls from Abraham's bosom. When Ephesians 4, 8 says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. The verse above that talks about the fact he first descended and death and hell in Revelation 20, 14 are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And then in verse 15 of Revelation 20, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So hell's going to be cast into the lake of fire later on. Now, watch this because we see this a place of thinking. Remember, son, remember. Think. Remember how it was when you were alive. Remember the good things you had. You remember the evil things Lazarus had. But now see where he's at. Now he's comforted. He is being comforted and you're being tormented. It's just the way it works. You had it. And beside this, there is this gulf. You can't come over here. We're not coming over there. That's it. You have nothing else. See, hell is a place of torments. It's a place of tears. It's a place of thinking. You will remember all the things. And I, what I believe you'll remember, I believe you'll remember all the times you had a chance to trust Christ as Savior. Here I sit there and say, oh, my goodness, why didn't I say yes? Why was I so in the face of that person? Why did I say no when I heard that? Why did when the Spirit of God convicted me, did I turn it down? What was I thinking? All that that you thought back in that life, you will think about why you said what you said, why you did what you did. And then I want you to see in verse number 27, that, or verse number 26, that hell's a place of truth. There is no way out. Hell is a place of truth. You're, there's no way out. You're in and there's no way out. And at the very end of it all, where you're at is going to be dumped into a bigger place called the lake of fire. 
In fact, there's going to be so many people at one point die that the Bible says that hell enlarges herself, that it's all cast into the lake of fire forever, including the false prophet, the beast, and the Antichrist, the devil himself. The false prophet, the Antichrist, and the devil, all cast into the lake of fire. You're going to be around a lot. You're not going to be having a party. You're not going to air condition a place. You're not going to take up an offering. It's not going to be that way. He's, he is tormented right now, and he wants just a little drop of water because the fire is tormenting him. He just wants something to stop it, but it's just not going to happen. It's a place of torments. It is a place of tears. It is a place of thinking. It is a place of truths. You will remember the truths that you have overcome. Remember what you there in your lifetime remember what you chose remember the times that you said this is more important than this is my friend i wonder how many times we thought that something else was more important than jesus christ was something was more important than god was something was more important than church was something was more important than we need to be careful of where we place our importance and even as christians we need to be careful where we place our importance because of the judgment seat of christ where we can lose our rewards for our works for him or gain some rewards depending on the what we build with the wood hay stubble or the gold silver precious stones but in those who are lost they will remember for a long time but then i want you to see the hell is a place of tragedy watch this then he said i pray thee therefore father that thou wouldest send him to my father's house now this gets even more interesting now he's not in uh, the command form, which I think is interesting. Uh, he's changed his mind maybe a little bit on that. But we do see that he is wanting him to send Lazarus back out of, wait a minute, we're not in heaven. I, I, I just not going to send him back for this rich man. No. Now, Lazarus, the other Lazarus of Mary and Martha, he came back because God wanted to show something. If you remember, he tarried. Jesus didn't come right away because he said, this sickness is not unto death, yet he died, but for the glory of God. And I go because he's asleep, and I'm going to wake him out of sleep. Jesus was telling him plainly, he died, but I'm going to bring him back to life. But this is not the case here. This is a person in hell saying, you send it back because I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they come into this place of torment. Now listen, people say they're going to have a party in hell. This man said, I don't even want my brothers to come here. I've got five brethren and they need to know that this is for real. This is a bad place. He needs to rise from the dead and go back and talk to them. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. Can I help you there? Lazarus came back from life, and it didn't change the Pharisees or the Sadducees at all, the scribes. It didn't change them at all. Jesus rose from the dead in a glorified body, just like he predicted with a set guard at the stone and still rose from the dead. And he was seen of all kinds of people named 
And then it says in 1 Corinthians, after he names a bunch of them, and then 500 brethren at one time, which Paul said the greater number of that 500 were still alive at the time of his writing. And yet still people rejected him, even though they saw him and had firsthand witnesses of him. So we can see that hell is a place of tragedy. Yes, sir. If you don't believe what the Bible says, you wouldn't believe even if someone came back from the dead. We live in a world today where people think they've seen things in pictures. They see them in buildings and things. And yet with all that, we do not see an increase in people turning to the truth of Jesus Christ. It's not there. When Jesus did all those miracles, he was healing so many people of leprosy, of being deaf, dumb, and mute. Those that were dead, he raised to life. He opened blinded eyes. He, he changed people's status, infirmities, fevers. He did all these things, and it didn't change a person. In fact, they said in the book of Acts, there was indeed a notable miracle done here, and we cannot deny it. So let's threaten them and tell them not to do this anymore because it's getting on our nerves, and they're doing these things we can't deny. They see it. They know it's real. They know it happened, but they deny it. In the Gospels, they saw what Christ could do. They said, well, my goodness, we've got to stop this. He's got he's to stop doing this. You can't heal on the Sabbath. Well, that's the only time you're there. So when are they going to get healed? And he said, and is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or not? We've seen that twice in the Gospel of Luke so far. He said, nope. If they will not believe what is in the word, they will not believe Moses and the prophets. Could I just bring it up to date for you? If you won't believe that word of God, if you won't believe that Bible right there that talks about what Jesus Christ did in his death, burial, and resurrection and why he came and what he came for, which was to save sinners. My Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. He says, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The whole idea of that verse is he loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we had nothing going for us. And he said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It is a trust factor from head to heart. You confess, this is him. The Spirit of God convicts you. You say, yes, I am lost. Jesus is the only one who can save me. I put my faith and trust in him. And in my heart, I believe by faith and cling to him and him only. What he did, nothing added to it. Jesus is my Savior, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, died to take away my sin, buried and rose again to new life. And I'm going to have new life in him. That's the only way. You turn that down. You're turning down the very word of God. And when you turn down the very word of God, like this man, you will one day be hearing the words, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Just like this. And this man has no name because God's not giving him any credence. But Lazarus' name because he's God's child. And God said, I have something for him that's better. It's called paradise. And this man was in a place of tragedy. Father, hell's real. People don't like it. They don't believe it. They don't want to believe it. They want to believe in heaven. They want to believe in hell. But it is real. 
and it's something that they will experience if they do not know you. So I pray they will come to know you as their personal Savior. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying you have an absolutely yes, awesome week. Every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. Precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word. You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.